All right. So we're continuing our sermon series going through the book of James called Where Faith Meets Life. So what we're looking at is we're looking at how our faith is not just one part of our lives, but how it encompasses every part of our lives. So we've looked at how our faith applies when we face trials. We've looked at how our faith applies when we deal with sin. We've looked at how our faith applies when we start showing partiality and how we're not supposed to do that. How that's the anti-gospel, how we're supposed to be not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word, how we're supposed to live out our faith, how if we truly have faith, then it will lead to total obedience to Christ, not to gain salvation, but out of an overflow of our salvation. So tonight, we're going to be looking at even more that, that if our faith is true and genuine, then we'll learn how to be able to tame the tongue. So kind of how it's pronounced, called watch your mouth. You ever heard that described before? Someone kind of tell you, like, hold your tongue, watch your mouth, things like that. So um, let, me, let me ask you this. Who here loves to talk? Like, you love having conversations with people. Like, like, like you love just talking with people. You love interacting with people. Maybe you just love talking around the house because you love hearing your own voice. Anybody? Like, I'm very much a social butterfly. I love talking with people. I love getting to know people. Now, let me, let me follow up with this. Especially those that you talk a lot. Does anybody know, on average, how many words a day a guy speaks? Uh, a guy, it's less than a guy or a girl, because girls can talk a lot. Anybody want to take a guess? That's crazy. 5,000. Okay, 5,000. Well, no. 12,000. How many does a man, average a day, does a man speak a day? Words. On average, not the mood, on average. I'm working in mad. I'm not talking to you. Okay. You want to know? Right up here. You want to know what it is? On average. This is just one source I found. Guys can speak up to 20,000 words a day on average. Anybody want to guess how many words a woman speaks on average a day? Anybody want to guess? A million. A million. According to the same source, women average... Hold on. Women average about 30,000 words a day. Now, one more question. One more question. Anybody want to venture to guess how many av- we average a year? How many words we speak? Oh, I want to do it. What's your guess? If average a day we speak 20,000, then that'd be... 20,000 times 365. Yeah, a lot. Anybody want to... Ready for this? Guys, ready for this? And I'll tell you, don't worry. We average speaking 11 million words a year. Now, some of you might be above average in those words, and some of you might be well below the average. But let me ask you this, guys, on a serious question. With all these words, we speak a day, all right? 20,000, 30,000. So we average about 25,000 words a day between guys and gals. How are you using those words? Like, are your words filled with grace and seasoned with salt? Or is it being used maybe to talk badly about someone? Spill the tea on someone? What? Talk badly about someone? Because here's the thing. With our words, are they pointing people to Christ or away from Christ? Because ultimately, our words are doing one or the other. They're either pointing people to Christ and honoring Christ, or pointing people away from Christ and honoring ourselves. And so what I want us to look at tonight is important that we understand that we need to tame our tongue, 
and understand how our tongue is an overflow of our hearts. And so how, if we're truly to be followers of Christ, we need to understand how to tame the tongue. Because here's the thing. We as fallen, sinful human beings are prone to say sinful things, say hurtful things, say some stupid things sometimes. Because our hearts are born rebellious to God. But, but here is the main point I want you all to grasp. Is that we cannot tame our tongues until our hearts are transformed by the gospel. We cannot tame our tongues until our hearts are transformed by the gospel. Because like I said, our hearts, that our hearts, whatever's in our hearts will naturally come out of our mouths. Whatever we hold in the highest regard in our lives will come through with the way we talk. And so we can never tame the tongue until we transform the heart. And we cannot transform the heart apart from the gospel. So if you have your copy of God's word, we're going to be in James chapter 3. What you're going to write in that point down, we're in James chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 12. It's also on the back of your notes if, if you don't have your Bible with you. And I'm also going to have them on the screen as we go through it as well. So again, we cannot tame our tongues until our hearts are transformed by the gospel. Okay, so we are in James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. This is the word of the Lord. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting, the fire, setting fire to the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring, uh, does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Let's pray. Dear God, I pray... For tonight, I pray that just as we dive and look at your word, I pray that it is you speaking through your word, that is not my opinion, but your truth being spoken. So I pray over these next several minutes, I pray that you will just clear our minds and you will open our hearts to truly be able to hear you, to understand this passage, to be able to live this out. 
that, that whatever might be going on at school or at home or whatever else, that you will just free us from those distractions in order to hone in on what you have to teach us. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will help me hide behind your word, help behind your cross, and let your word speak for itself. That it won't be my opinions, but it'll be your truth that is truly grasped and understood. That it'll transform us more into the image of your son, to help us become more like your son, to help point other peoples to your son. And I pray all this in your son's precious name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so there is three truths. There's three total truths James wants us to get out of this passage, okay? The first two are what our tongue has the power to do. And the third one is what we need to do to change our tongue, okay? So the first two is what our tongue has the power to do. And the first thing is our tongues have the power to direct. Our tongues have the power to direct our lives. So think about this. In the very first verse, in verse 1, it says, Not many of you should become teachers, for you know that we'll have a straighter or stricter judgment. Basically, at this time, there, there wasn't a whole lot of being able to movement up and down in society. Not a whole lot of people could read all that well. And so teachers at that time as well were held in very high regards. Like they're they're prestigious. They had a little bit of authority in there in that time. And so people thought, oh, if I can pursue teacher, then I can have a little bit of prestige in society. And James wanted to warn against them saying, okay, hey, I'm a little leery of your intentions of becoming a teacher. Because what he's saying is what you need to not only talk the talk, but walk the walk. You need to be able to live out and practice what you preach. But more so than that is that you are handling God's word over a community. That you are in charge over the moral character of a community. So if I'll be honest, this first verse terrifies me as a pastor. Because one day I'm going to have to give an account for every word and how I lead. How we handle God's word. Because what it says, how a handle of God's word, it's supposed to be a herald. What a herald is, it's just supposed to be a messenger of the king. That the king gives them the message. That herald goes and delivers the message to the people. So there's supposed to be no editing of that when being delivering these messages. But, but more so than that, not only teachers are held to a stricter judgment on these things, on a broader term for all of us, is that all of us are going to have to give an account for every word we speak. In fact, in Matthew 12, 36 and 37, Jesus says that we will have to make an account for every careless word we speak, that by our words we will be justified and by our words we will be condemned. So that's just every careless word. Another I want to think about this, not just every careless word, but every careless tweet, every careless post, every caption, Every comment, every text we send, because our thumbs are the exact same as our mouths. Like our thumbs are just an extension of our mouths. They're an overflow of our heart. So let me ask you this, that if if we're going to have to give an account for all of our words and texts and things like that, how would you hold up if God judged every word, snap, tweet, post, comment, text? How would you hold up with all of that? How do you think that'll go? Because all of these are important. Because like I said, they're either pointing us to Christ and pointing people to Christ or away from Christ. That every word counts. Now that's not saying us as Christians just do this vow of silence and we become monks and we don't say anything. That's not what this is saying. It's saying we must just be careful and wise with the words that we speak. 
That do those things honor Christ and point people to him, or do they dishonor Christ and point people away from him? Because we're doing either one of those. In fact, in Colossians 4, 6, it says our speech should be always gracious and seasoned with salt. Our posts should be always gracious and seasoned with salt. Our tweets, comments, texts, all of those should be gracious and seasoned with salt, knowing how we ought to answer each person. Because as we saw, our hearts are sinful above all else. And, and, and naturally, they'll, we'll want to say stupid things and hurtful things and rebellious things. Sinful things. And in fact, James goes through that in the next couple verses in 2 and 3. Where he says, for we will all stumble in many ways. Basically means we will sin in a wide diversity of ways. Because we are all sinners in need of grace. Because then he says this. We all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says... He is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. He's saying that if we're able to control our tongues, if we're able to bridle what we say, then we'd be able to control our whole body and be able to obtain perfection. But that's not the case because, again, like it said before that, is that we all stumble in many ways. That, we have, that if you can control the tongue, you can control the body. That when we show discipline over our tongue... It shows discipline over our bodies because what comes out of our mouth reveals what's in our hearts. Really? Like whatever is the main priority of our heart will come out through our mouths, will come out through how we live, will come out through what we spend the most time on, what we talk about the most, what we spend the most money on. Like whatever comes out of our mouth reveals what is truly on our hearts. So it says if we're able to bridle the tongue, we're able to bridle the body. And basically what bridle means, it just means like to hold in check. We're able to hold something in check. That if we're able to hold our tongues in check, we're able to hold ourselves in check. All right? Because we need to hold our hearts in check because in Jeremiah 17, 9, it says our hearts are wicked, deceitfully wicked above all else. And so there's only one perfect person that was able to bridle their tongue, bridle their whole body, and is the perfect teacher that we look to, and that's Jesus Christ. That he's the one that's the ultimate judge. That he is the one that led communities well. He is the one that was able to hold his tongue in check, hold his body in check, and he is the one we are to look to if we are to truly be able to follow him and hold our tongues in check. It's only by his grace that we're able to control both. And so what James does in like the next kind of couple of verses, he, he explains, he gives like a couple of illustrations of what that looks like, of how something so small can have a great effect on something so large. And so the first one is like a bridle. So if you don't know, this is what a bridle looks like. And so it's just something you put around a horse's mouth, you put the bit in its mouth, and it's able to control the horse. So when you're able to ride on the horse, this is what controls it. Just think about this. As big of a horse is, this bridle is able to control that whole horse. You're able to direct in the way you want to go. You're able to ride it which direction you want to go to. You're able to control the horse just by that tiny bridle. That's why it says in verse 3, if we put these bits into the mouths of horses so they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. But then he goes on. He says, look at ships. Look at ships. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. Think about this. Look how large this ship is. Look at how gigantic this ship is. Yet 
This tiny rudder right here controls the whole ship. This large ship that can embrace storms, that can deal with strong winds, that can do any of that carry heavy loads, can do all that. But if that rudder is not working, then that ship is not going anywhere. In fact, if that rudder is not in control, it can lead to the shipwreck, to the crash of that ship. It's the exact same way with our tongues. That if we're not able to properly control our tongues, it can lead to veering our lives all out of control and lead us to ruin. In fact, how many, how many here have a job? By show of hands. How many of you are going to be soon applying for a job or you can apply for a job soon? How many of you at least eventually want a job? At least, how about that? At the very least, at some time in the future. You guys ever heard how there's, how there's background checks? You ever heard of those? Yes. Did you know there's a social media background check? Yes. So this goes beyond just, oh, they'll stalk your Facebook or Instagram and see what you liked and disliked and posted. I kid you not. I actually had to have the same thing happen when I got here. What they did is they'll go in and it'll search all of your social media history. And it'll look up, it'll look up maybe controversial things you've said. Maybe offensive things you've said or commented or posted about. Vulgar things, it'll have all of that and pop up in that. I think about that. That one thing that maybe you posted years ago could lead to not getting a job or even leading to greater ruin today. That something we say now could totally derail us in the future. That we have to be able to control our tongues if we want to do this. Because again, our tongues are just a natural overflow of our hearts. We've got to be able to control our hearts. We've got to control what we say. As we interact with people and deal with these things. Because one tiny thing could totally ruin a career or life. Think about this. Our tongues have the power to either blaze trails or burn bridges. They have the power to either blaze trails or burn bridges. That, that with your tongue, if you're able to control these things, it could set up a pathway to success and you're able to blaze your own trail and do these things. Or it can hurt people. It can cut people down. <coughs> Or it can cut you down, and, and it can lead to burning bridges from other people, other companies, other things. Our tongues have the power to guide us towards success or derail us into ruin. We can get in trouble for just saying one wrong thing. We could cause disunity by saying one wrong thing. And so with that, then we must understand that we need to control our tongues as we go through this. We need to control our tongues in our lives because you think, People can either control their tongues or let their tongues control them. That we can either choose to turn to Christ and allow him to help us take hold of our tongues, take, transform our hearts and take hold of this, or we can just let our hearts run roughshod. And as we saw, our hearts are deceitfully wicked above all else. And as we'll see in the next section, James even goes and describes just all the different ways of what our heart is and how our tongue overflows from that. Because here's the thing, the tongue is an embodiment of our sinful nature. So we can either to continue to let our hearts direct us, or we can turn to Jesus and allow him to direct us. So if we, let, if we just let our hearts lead us, then one will lead to spiritual death and destruction, like we saw, that when we let sin fester, we let sin grow, then it'll grow and grow, and eventually give birth to death, as we saw in James 1. 
But if we continually give it over to Christ, continually lean into him, continually press into him, continually lean on his grace, and he can slowly transform our hearts. And naturally, you will see how your speech will follow in suit. That when your desires change, you'll be amazed at how much your words will follow after that. So our tongues have the power to direct us. So how are you letting your tongue guide you in these things? But there's a second thing that James talks about is that our tongues have the power to destroy. Our tongues have the power to destroy. Let me ask you this. Anybody ever heard of the phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? Anybody ever heard that phrase before? That, that is, is one of the biggest lies, isn't it? Because words absolutely hurt. I'm sure, we could go, I'm sure we could go around the room and there is a time where someone has said a word or phrase that has cut us so deep to our core that maybe we still even hold on to to this day that hurts. Or maybe there are some of us that we were so lowly and down and just hurt and someone gave us a word of encouragement that meant the absolute world to us. In fact, I want to do this. I'm going to read off several phrases and I just want you to think about how much these could mean hearing it from someone, all right? I love you. I hate you. I'm proud of you. I'm disappointed in you. You're hired. You're fired. You're beautiful. You're handsome. You're ugly. You're the best. You're the worst. Everyone loves you. No one likes you. You're unforgivable. Your sins are forgiven. It is finished. Think about how powerful words can be. Something said could be so minuscule in the moment, but could affect someone for years. Think that's why it says in the second half of verse five, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Think about this. One small spark could start a whole forest fire. One small word we say could either totally cut someone down or totally build someone up. That as we see in this section that we'll look at, that our tongues have the power to heal or to hurt. Our tongues have the power to heal someone, to uplift someone, to build someone up, or our tongue has the power to hurt someone and tear someone down and discourage them. So how are you using your words? How are you using your social media? How are you using those things? Or do they build people up or do they tear people down? Do they point people to Jesus or do they point people to yourselves? Because we'll never realize how just a tiny word of encouragement at the right time could be such a huge encouragement. How something so small could grow into something so large for good or for bad. In fact, in, in verses 7 and 8, uh, James talks about how just like, how there's tameable, animal, tameable animals and an untamable tongue. So it says, For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no one, but no human being can tame the tongue. So think about this. We ha- we're able to have, we have ways that we're able to tame all types of animals. All right? We have different zoos and aquariums. We see animals subdued in a place. We have different food that we get stuff from, like steak, chicken, sushi, things like that. I mean, we're in deer hunting season. 
season. That's so gross. We're in deer hunting season. Think, think about that. We're in deer. We're in deer hunting season. We have so many ways that we can control and tame animals, right? So, <laughs> didn't mean to get y'all excited about deer hunting. Sorry, I'm still learning. Not yet. After. So think about this. We have so many ways that we can tame animals. We can keep them under control. But then it says this. It says, but no human being can tame the tongue. So think about this. We have natural practices and strengths to where we can own and control animals. But there is no natural thing or practice we can have to control the tongue. That this is not about a list of do's or don'ts we follow. Or it's not something where we just start speaking different words. And have uh, and then just be able to tame it that way. Think about this. There's nothing human beings can do to tame the tongue. So if there's nothing human beings can do to tame the tongue, then it must be from something outside of human beings that is able to tame it. That it must come something outside of something natural instead of something supernatural. Because think of the ways that James describes the tongue just in these few verses alone, all right? In verse 6, he calls it a fire. In verse 6, he calls it a world of unrighteousness. It stains the whole body. It sets on fire the entire course of life. It's set on fire by hell. It's a restless evil, and it's full of deadly poison. Isn't that so encouraging? That's how your tongue is described? No. <laughs> like, like, think about that. Because, again, this stuff naturally overflows from our hearts because we are born with a sin nature. So this stuff just naturally overflows out of that. And so if that's how we're born, then there's nothing naturally in and of ourselves we can do to tame that. That we can't tame a world of unrighteousness with just a set of do's and don'ts. That we can't try to put out a fire or clean the whole body just by saying just the right words. A restless evil can't just be put out, again, by a checklist or something full of deadly poison. It must take something outside of that. It must take true righteousness to overcome unrighteousness. It must take true cleansing of the whole body. It must take true impurity to overcome a restless evil. None of these changes from behavior modifications, only from a heart transformation. When we don't control our tongues, this is what we let direct our lives and will lead us to destruction. Unrighteousness, restless evil, and deadly poison. In fact, James talks about this last one, how it's deadly poison and a restless evil. He talks about that in verses 8 through 10. Because what he means by, like, let's say, restless evil and, and deadly poison, he kind of compares it to like a snake, right? A snake that is ready to strike at any moment. And so we see that in verses 8 through 10. Think about this. In verses 8 through 10, it says this, But no human being contained the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these ought not to be so. Think about this. With the same mouths that we're using to praise Jesus just a few minutes ago is the same mouths that we're also cursing others made in the same image of God as we are. How in one moment, one day, we are praising Jesus with everything we got, and the next moment, we are cutting people down with our words and things we say. Do we live for Christ just on Sundays and Wednesdays? 
and just do whatever we want the rest of the week? Do we just say the right words when we're in church? All the nice churchy Christianese language when we're here and then kind of say whatever we want the rest of the week? Or is it something that naturally overflows into every part of our lives? Where it's a heart so transformed that it just encompasses everything we say and do. That it's not just a Sunday and Wednesday thing, but it's an everyday thing. Because as James talks about in verse 10, how yes, from the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. But my brothers, these things ought not to be so. These things ought not to be how we are as Christians, as followers of Christ. How we talk about others reveals how we feel about God. And so he says this, we bless the Lord, our Lord and Father, but we also curse people made in the image of God. And these two words, blessing and cursing, are the best and worst forms of language that James talks about at this time. That this blessing is meant to just praise God as Lord and Father, but then cursing someone, cursing someone this time wasn't just, you would say, swear words or bad things. But it was so extreme to the point where they desired that these people be cut off from God and suffer eternal punishment. That cursing was a very serious thing that they took took seriously at this time. And so what James is saying is to curse, to insult, or to treat others poorly is to curse the divine, to curse God himself. And as we saw about about showing impartiality in the first and in the last half or so, in chapter 2, is that favoritism is the anti-gospel. And so it can't just be where in one moment, with, with, one, with one moment we are praising God with everything, and in the next moment we are cursing others. James says this ought not to be amongst us as Christians. Because true Christians would not be living this way. So something James continually does throughout the book of James is he addresses double-minded people. So these, double, these people, like how different things we face will show the true genuineness of our faith. How we saw the first week, okay, when we face trials, trials will show the true genuineness and authenticity of our faith and how we endure through it. When we face sin, it'll show the authenticity of our faith. That we won't just be hearers of the word, but we'll be doers of the word. That we won't just show partiality, but we will love everyone just as Christ has loved us. That we will not just have faith, but we will live out our faith. And in this case, we will not just, will not curse other people, but we will constantly be working on praising God with our lips, with our mouths. Because think, what comes from people's mouths illustrates their hearts. What comes from people's mouths illustrates their hearts. And so that's something we must understand, that if we were born with a sin nature, if we're born with these things, this world of unrighteousness and deadly poison and and restless evil, is is, when it's outside of ourselves, then then where does it come from? Then where can we truly tame this? And it comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That he is the one that has lived a perfect life. That he is the one that has been able to bridle his tongue and bridle his body to hold all of that in check to live a perfect sinless life, to die on the cross, to be able to reconcile us back to God, and to be able to transform our hearts to be right with His. That we no longer have to be children under wrath, but we can be children under grace, continually growing in Him. Because yes, our, our hearts have the power to direct, our hearts have the power to destroy, but ultimately what we must understand is to tame the tongue, we must transform the heart. 
Oh, sorry. A transformed heart will lead to a tamed tongue. A what? Sorry. So a transformed heart will lead to a tamed tongue. Sorry, Appreciate it. A transformed heart will lead to a tamed tongue. And so with this, James kind of gives two different descriptions. He gives, he gives a couple more illustrations with this. He gives this picture of like salt water and fresh water. And I saw that. It right? Life. He gives a thing of salt water and fresh water. So it says, does a, spring, does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So salt water, fresh water cannot come from the same source. As you see in this, they cannot come from the same source and intermingle. Like there's no intermingling of salt and fresh water at this time. Right? Because once salt got into fresh water, it would make the whole thing salty. And salt water at this time is useless. So just as salt water and fresh water cannot intermingle, at the same way with Christians, it cannot be where we are blessing God in one moment and cursing others in the next moment. That that cannot be the makeup of our hearts as we go through this. That cannot, you can't have both. But ultimately, it's, it's one or the other as we go through that. That a spring doesn't just change immediately from salt to fresh. So it's not like, okay, there's salt water, we'll just change it. There's salt water, we'll just change it to fresh water quickly, right? No, it, you can't just quickly change it. Or he talks about a tree. How can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? So think about this. A, fruit, or a tree doesn't just change fruits. So imagine I have an orange tree and I just paint all of the oranges red. Can I call it an apple tree now? No. No, because why? Because the fruit that's being produced out of it is oranges. What if I just cut off the branches? Can I, still, can I still call it an apple tree or things like that? Yes. No. No. Because what's going what's gonna to grow back? Oranges. More oranges. Right? So you can, you can paint something up. You can cut something out. But at the end of the day, it's the root. It's the root that will produce the fruit coming from it. So think about this. All right? With our lives, with our hearts, it can't just be a set of do's and don'ts that we do. Okay, I'll just cosmetically cover something up. So it looks better. It looks, it looks Christian. It looks right. Or, okay, if I follow these set of do's and don'ts and just cut out these things in my life, then, then I'll appear a lot more holy. I'll appear a lot more like Christ. And James is saying that's not the case. We must look at the root. We must look at the heart of it. Yeah. So we have to look at the source. We have to look at the source of our lives. So here's the thing. We need a renewed heart. Not a checklist. We need a renewed heart, not a checklist. We cannot praise God in one moment and then curse Him in the next by speaking badly to others or about others or gossiping. Like, we can't be worshiping with God with all that we have, let's say now, and then after being like, Did you see so and so and how they were worshiping? So weird. Like, it, can't, it cannot be that way amongst Christians. We can't talk about how awesome God is one moment and then about how lame someone else is the next. We cannot speak highly about God but then speak lowly about others. We can only do, we can only get rid of both and just truly live for God when God is the one that has transformed our hearts. 
Because as we see this with, with salt water and fresh water, as we try to see, when we try to balance these two things, eventually one of them is going to come out. Because again, our mouths naturally overflow from our hearts. That whatever is the true makeup of our hearts will be what we truly talk about. It'll overflow out from our tongues. And so we must understand what are we talking about? How are we speaking to others? How are we treating others? How are we posting things? How are we tweeting things? How are we commenting and captioning and hashtagging things? How are we talking about others when others aren't around? How are we talking about others when we're in front of them? Just as we are to love everyone, just as God has loved us, it should be the same with our mouths that we talk about everyone. In the same positive light, as someone made in the same image of God as we are. As someone that's in need of the same grace as we are. Because here's the thing. What I'm saying is we're not going to be perfect. Are we going to slip up and say dumb things at times? Yes. I'm sure Rebecca could give me a list of the dumb things I've said the past week. Sure. But what James is saying is is there's, there's a maturation. There's a maturing process going on through this time. That as we turn to Christ, as we repent of our old ways, we repent of this sinful heart of ours, turn to him and allow him to transform our hearts and our lives, then we will slowly grow and mature to become more like him. In fact, there is a verse in 1 Timothy 4, 15, where it says that practice these things, rehearse these things, work on these things that you have seen and heard and taught all these things from me so that people may see your progress. Okay, not your perfection, but your progress. We're constantly growing. We're constantly becoming more like Christ. We're constantly striving after him. We're constantly allowing him to work on our hearts. Because the Holy Spirit's the one working on our hearts. Because then when we have a transformed heart, then we'll be able to have a tamed tongue. So some of you in here, Maybe some of you here tonight, you came in and you're like, ooh, like, wow, I, I can see this. I can see how, how my heart can be full of unrighteousness and this evil that it's talking about and this poison and everything else like that. And, and I've really been running in the wrong direction. I've really been doing it where it's praising me and it's pointing people to myself and, and it's cutting others down and, and it's, it's directing me down just this path of destruction. I have good news and it's called the gospel. That it doesn't matter what, how much you've said, it doesn't matter how much you've fallen, it doesn't matter how many dumb things that maybe we've said, hurtful things that we've said. As we sang about, Jesus takes that brokenness aside, he takes that sin aside, and he makes something beautiful. That maybe you've come in here, you're carrying guilt with some of these things. Things you've said. Maybe you're carrying hurts, things that have been said to you. You can bring it to Christ and have it be transformed into something beautiful. That if we will repent of our sins and if we'll believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, he is faithful to transform us and he's faithful to meet us where we are at. Maybe some of you in here, you are a follower of Christ, but it's really hard to tame your tongue. Like maybe it's a short temper. Maybe it's just some things where you're just so quick to want to respond to people and it's difficult. I have good news for you too. And it's also called the gospel. That you are never too far from grace. 
That just as the gospel saves us, the gospel continually sanctifies us, it continually forgives us, it continually works on our hearts, that for us as Christians, that is what we constantly preach to ourselves. Then we say dumb things, we mess up on things, that Jesus is faithful to forgive us. And lastly, maybe there's some of you in here, you are followers of Christ, you're faithfully following him, and you have been trying to work on how you talk, how the way you speak, the way you interact with people. And you're truly trying to look to uplift people. You're truly trying to direct people to Christ and point people to Christ. What I would also encourage you with is continually preach the gospel to yourself daily. That we need to continually remind ourselves that we are sinners in need of grace. That we are still one dumb thing away, one dumb phrase away from potentially ruining things. And so with us as Christians, that our speech ought to be gracious and seasoned with salt, knowing how we ought to answer each person. And it says this should be that way always. And so someone who is always faithful to do that is Jesus. And that's who we are to look to. That's who we are to pursue. That's who we are to turn to and ask for guidance and help. Because he's the only one that can transform our hearts and to be able to tame our tongues. And in another way of our lives, our faith encompasses so much more and point people to him. So here's what I want us to do. I want to give everybody a few minutes. On the bottom of your page, you'll see there is a response time on that bottom part. And so while, while you're writing that, I'm going to have Caleb and Nat come back up. And I just want to give you all a few minutes just to write out a response. Maybe there's something that you've heard over this time that has spoken to you. Maybe there's a sin to repent of. Maybe there is an encouragement to gain out of this. Maybe there is someone you need to go to tonight and encourage. Send a text. Talk to in person. Write them an encouraging note card. Maybe there's something like that to do. And so what I want you to do is over these next few minutes, I just want you to take time and write out your response. And as you're done with that, Caleb and Nat are going to sing one last final song. You can stand up whenever you're ready. This is between you and God. You don't have to stand up at all if you don't want to. Maybe there's something you want to pray about. You can write a prayer request in the back and we will pray over it. Maybe there's someone you want to talk to and you can talk to myself or another adult leader in the room. We are here for y'all. So I want to give these next few minutes just to respond to what we've heard preach from his word. And then again, Caleb and Nat will lead us in a song. And then after that song is over, y'all will be dismissed. So let us pray. And then we'll go into a time of response. Okay. Dear God, we are so thankful for who you are. We are so thankful that even when we say hurtful things, even when our hearts just run amok on stuff, that you are still faithful to forgive. You are still faithful to just love us. You are still faithful to move all of that brokenness aside. Look past all those words. Look past all of that brokenness. Look past all that sinfulness and see someone you died on the cross for. So I pray, God, that all of us, all of us will turn to you, let you guide our hearts, let you be the one that controls our hearts, controls our tongues. And then when we do that, we can point more people to you than in a world where it's so quick to tear people down we try to take one tweet and ruin their entire lives that we instead will be people that are devoted to you. That our speech is gracious and seasoned with salt always knowing how we ought to answer each person. That no matter how venomous people can be back at us, no matter how hurtful people can be back at us, no matter how awful and difficult it can be, that we will still look to you and follow you and speak your words of truth. 
So I pray that you will speak that into our lives. I pray that you'll help us become more focused on you and look to you. And I pray that we're able to just offer our hearts and say, God, here is my heart. Here's my heart. Speak what is true to me. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.